Hello everybody, welcome to our Recovery from Relapse special focus meeting. Today is the 14th of February 2023 and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Trisha D to share with us today. She grew up in Miami in Florida but is now living in Palm Beach in Florida and she first came into the rooms of OA in 1998. So I can't wait to hear her story. Trisha, over to you. Thank you so much, Karen, and thank you everyone else who's doing service at this meeting. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive eater. My name is Tricia. I sometimes struggle with that recovered part because I get nervous about kind of saying it out loud. Um, but today we'll, we'll go with that. I am recovered and I'm grateful for that. Um, knew that I was going to be sharing at this meeting and um, I knew for quite a while. Um, so I can't come up with the, oh, this was just sprung on me. So if I don't have a great message, you can you know blame it on no, no notification. Truth is I've known I was gonna share at this meeting and um, I'm still not quite sure what I'm gonna share, um, but I'm gonna trust my higher power. Um, more importantly, I'm gonna trust your higher power. Um, and um, if somebody needs to hear something, hopefully, um, your higher power will let me at least articulate it in some version <laughs> today. All of a sudden, I feel very emotional and I feel all over the place. So we're just going to go with it. I'm grateful to be sharing at this meeting in particular because, as most of you know, I, I feel this is my home meeting. Um, unfortunately, relapse is a part of my um, story. And um, when I found this meeting, um, when you know, uh, I first started Zoom meetings, I was so grateful to be here um, and have all of you here. And I, I'm grateful that it's been, you know, I think we're going on three years, maybe this meeting's been in, in uh, I don't know. So I'm, I'm grateful that it's still going on. Um, growing up, I kind of knew I had an issue with food. You know, I grew up with other food addicts um, and other addictions. So sometimes that's kind of hard because if everybody's doing what you're doing with food, it's kind of hard to distinguish yourself from that. Um, and I certainly fell into a lot of the traps that most of us um, I've heard at these meetings, you know, feeling different. Uh, I always felt larger than I was. When I see pictures of myself now from that time period growing up, I'm shocked. It's just the truth is I, I grew to five, six <laughs> in, you know, fourth grade. So I towered over people and I, I looked a little more adult than I, uh, you know, should have. So I looked older than I was and, and uh, always felt a little different that way physically. Um, but, you know, in my life, there were a few instances where I realized um, that maybe my issue with food wasn't just... Um, you know, that I, I had so much great food around me and I couldn't stop eating it, or I just liked to eat, or I was a foodie. Um, one of the earliest ones I remember, there's a lot of them, but I was a teenager um, and uh, it was about the time where um, I, my friends and I were able to get driver's license and learner's permits. And um, my family used to vacation every year with a bunch of families in Florida. And um, my the my girlfriend, um, you know, had her license, and it was the first time we were at a family event where we could actually leave by car, <laughs> you know, and that was just such a novice, you know, novel concept. And of course, we go to a convenience store and we pick up some goodies, and we go, you know, my friends, you know, 
like we should go eat at this park. It'd be very nice. You know, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about let's eat food. And uh, we drive away from the convenience store. We go to this nice uh, beach area and we start eating our snacks. And um, some of the snacks are, are not good. They've gone bad. And um, my friend does this really amazing thing. She puts it down and throws it out. And I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> you know, in my head, we've got food, you know, there's no other food around here because we're at this lovely park where there are convenience stores nearby. We can't, I'm like, let's get back in the car, <laughs> you know, or at least let me act like I can eat around it. Let, let me fake that out. Um, and, and that stuck with me. I, I mean, here I am, I'm uh, 58. And I still remember that from being, you know, 15, 16 years old. Um, Another time, and there's been a bunch of them, but probably my, my last uh, aha moment or, or God moment in the sense of um, somebody knocking me upside the head to say, you know, hello, um, was my sister got married and I was going to be one of her bridesmaids. And uh, this happened just before I came into program. And um, there was a year before the wedding and I decided I'm going to lose weight for this wedding. Um, and the wedding came around and I had put on 50 pounds and, you know, um, which was true of, you know, most of my life, um, when I was most of my, I, I always remember being overweight, big and heavy. Um, I didn't want to participate. So I didn't want to be in her wedding. Poor woman. It's two, two weeks or so before her wedding, we go to try on the bridesmaid's dress, which is made for, I believe you know, a toothpick, and I'm not a toothpick, and all the other bridesmaids, I think, in my head are toothpicks, and I don't fit into the gown nice. Does it look nice on me? It's not appropriate, and I start saying, I can't be in your wedding. Oh, my God. You know, I start causing all this drama, and this poor girl's planning a wedding here. She's got a bunch of people coming on, and in the middle of this, I decide to throw, you know, a monkey wrench in her plans. Um, I got over it. Um, I really didn't feel worthy. I did. I was filled with shame. Um, my mom um, passed away last summer and my sisters and I got together uh, last month and finally went through some of her stuff, um, you know, photo albums and pictures she had and all this kind of stuff. So it was bringing through a lot of memories. And I was looking at a lot of these family events from when we grew up and event. And um, I have, you know, first off, there's a bunch of them where I'm not at. Because I would come up with an excuse for not being there. So there's that. Um, and then there's this instance where I'm covered in head to toe, long sleeve pants, uh, you know, shirt that goes up to my neck because I don't want anybody to see me. Um, you know, as Harriet shared, I grew up in Florida. I grew up in the south part of Florida. It's hot. Um, it's hot most of the time. Uh, we have a winter here and it gets to 50. It stays 50 degrees Fahrenheit for about 24 minutes. And then, you know, winter's over. So when I tell you, you know, I'm on these summer vacations in August and it's, you know, hot and humid and I'm wearing long sleeve shirts and pants and dark colors and I'm a teenager. Um, and it's, it, you know, it really struck me when I saw some of those photos, just how unworthy and full of shame I was about myself and being present. Because I really felt like if you didn't look a certain way, you know, you couldn't be loved, you couldn't be present. And, and my parents, you know, I was loved. Matter of fact, my mom, 
love me unconditionally. I need to say that for her today, uh, being Valentine's Day, that um, she was really the first person I knew that could love you, that, that unconditional love was possible. Um, and I'm grateful for that because that allowed me to know that there was a possibility for me to love others in that way. Didn't know how to, wasn't capable of it for quite a while, but I'm grateful today that, that, that she did love me that way. So I go to my sister's wedding. I put on weight rather than lose weight. Um, and I think, hmm, you know, something is, something is amiss here. And I have a moment where I say to myself, you know, Trisha, there's like a going to be this little path in the road. And this is one of those moments where I'm going to go down one path and I'm going to put on more and more weight. I'm going to live alone. I'm going to be an old lady. They're going to, you know, I'm going to miss work for a couple of days. And that's how somebody comes looking for me. Not because my friends are missing me or anything like that. It's because I don't show up for work and they're going to come looking for me at my apartment. And, you know, I'm going to have like 15 cats and I'll be dead in the chair. Um, and the thing that frightened me about that was um, I didn't like the cats. I wasn't really a big cat person. The dying didn't frighten me that much. I mean, I was kind of embarrassed because I figured, you know, a couple of days left alone, it wouldn't be pretty. But, you know, that's what bothered me, that it was going to be a slow, painful death, that I wasn't going to die right away, um, that I wasn't thinking of suicide, but I was thinking of suicide in another way a slow, painful suicide, like I deserve that as opposed to, to, to ending it quickly. Um, and then I said, well, I can go down that road or I could try to get some help. So let's just go see, let's see what's possible. Gratefully, I chose that option. I went to therapy. Um, therapist told me you should go to OA. I waited two years. I went to an OA meeting. There's a whole story about that. But I showed up and um, it was a step meeting. They were reading from the OA 12 and 12. I'm guessing because I was a newcomer and I showed up at the meeting. It was a small meeting and they recognized that I was a newcomer. They read the first step and I knew I belonged. I knew I was at home. They were saying my story and I'm grateful for that. Um, and, you know, there were some hits and misses and a whole bunch of stuff that went on. Um, but the truth is I had a very lengthy recovery. Um, I did. Um, and I got this thing called a life, which I didn't know what that was beforehand. Um, I had friends. I had plans. I had people who expected, you know, look forward to having dinner with me after a meeting. I had, you know, people I hung out with at holidays, um, you know, uh, things like that. Um, it, it, it was just, you know, beautiful in so many different ways. I'm so grateful for that recovery. Um, but then I wasn't recovered. Um, it wasn't an act of choice, um, but it was a choice. Um, I got busy with life. I got a job. I got married. Um, uh, I got myself this really challenging job. And because of who I am, I made it a stressful job. Didn't need to be stressful, but I made it that way. Um, I got involved with service and, you know, made, you know, had expectations for myself about it. And more importantly, had expectations about others for that. And I'm going to tell you what happens when that happens. Oh, it does not go well when you have expectations. Um, but I did. I got busy. Um, and I had... Um, 
gained a core group of friends in uh, program. Um, you know, just because we were all kind of similarly aged and we were single and we hung out together. And, you know, what happens in program, which happens in these rooms, is that sometimes people come and go. You know, they make changes, they decide to leave, or they slowly fade away. And that happened. And I was working with sponsors, and I had sponsors go away or not be able to sponsor. And I had sponsees that came and went. And what I noticed is I stopped replacing those people. Some of those, sometimes people refer to those as like a God squad or a core group of people that you relate to in program. I mean, we all relate to each other, but just through habit, you have some people that you call regularly, you know, uh, your program friends, I guess I would say. Um, I use the term God for my higher power um, because I lack creativity and it's just easier for me, um, you know, um, so I, I do want to say that. Um, and so I didn't have any replacements. And, you know, slowly things became um, apparent that they were not going well. Um, and I discovered um, in this process and this time that I had untreated chronic depression, which is really hard to believe because, you know, I'm at my wonderful weight. I look great. I have friends. I have a social life. I have a husband. I've gotten married. And, and you know, all of a sudden, though, you know, I'm not happy. Um, and so the usual things happened. I stopped making less calls. I, you know, like I said, I stopped replacing people and program as they fell away. Um, a meeting got, you know, un inconvenient. I just stopped going to the meeting rather than finding another meeting, or I became dissatisfied with a meeting rather than mixing it up and finding another meeting. I, I didn't do that. Um, and, you know, what happens, of course, is that I start picking up food a little bit here, here and there, you know, and, um, you know, I, in the past, um, you know, in, in meetings, face-to-face -face meetings, uh, a lot of them had, you know, what we call chips to celebrate uh, anniversaries and program. Um, but most importantly, they usually had a white chip, which is a desire to surrender. It's your first day when you decide to, to stick, uh, to try abstinence or just give this program a try for a newcomer or a person returning or, you know, sometimes you, you know, just need to pick up a white chip because you've gone off the food plan or you've, you know, whatever the choice is. And a few times in my recovery at that time, I, I did, I needed to pick up white chips. At one point I used to say I would be able to tile my bathroom white um, because I had so many white chips, but, you know, and I would get smart. I would, you know, sometimes, you know, it's Wednesday and the next meeting that has a white chip is on Saturday. And so I would be smart enough and take care of myself. I had a friend and I would call that friend and say, listen, you need to give me a, a, a white chip over the phone. Because if I don't pick up this white chip today, I'm going to take that as, okay, you have to pick up a white chip so I get to eat all I want until I go to the next meeting because, you know, I'm already, you know, unabsent. I'm not absent. Um, and slowly but surely what happened is, you know, I was slowly picking up food and realizing that I was picking up food and realizing that I was needing to pick up a chip. And rather than do that, I just went, well, you know, you haven't eaten X, Y, and Z in quite a while. Since you're going to go ahead and you're not abstinent, let's go ahead and take care of that. So a lengthy rap relapse later, and I'm talking like a decade. <laughs> so from that decision, um, uh, 
and and during that period of time, it was it was more. I'm very bad with the years, but it was quite a lengthy period of time. Um, I was in therapy. Um, I tried, um, you know, uh, different um, attempts to come back to meetings. I tried. I opened businesses. Um, things went well in certain ways. Um, I got fired from a business that I was an owner in, which is really kind of challenging to do, but apparently it can be done. Um, and of course, uh, the, the weight came back on. Um, and then some, and I felt more shame, more isolation. So returning to meetings became really challenging. And seeing people socially became worse because they had known me maybe at this lower weight or you know had seen me have this great weight loss. And now here I was back back and better, <laughs> you know, um, back to wearing the big clothes, you know, covered from here, trying to hide it all. Like if I dress well, you won't notice that I've put on a few extra pounds. Um, so I did attempt during this time to come back to meetings and I would do it for, you know, two, three weeks and then I would stop. And this went on for quite a while. And then I had another one of these moments. Um, I, um, my husband and I made plans to visit some friends uh, for the weekend in their home. And, and um, they, one of the people there we know from program, I, I, you know, was one of my, was my chip buddy, the buddy I would call, my friend that I would call and just say, I need to pick up a chip. And, you know, she's no longer in program. I'm no longer in program. You get to, and I kind of knew I really didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. But I had this feeling, nobody said anything to me, but I had this feeling that, you know what, if I don't go on this trip, this is going to do damage to my relationship with my husband. Not immediately, but it's going to be another, you know, me pulling back further and further from life and him making that decision, you know, him, you know, I, I've told you I'm, I'm married, my husband is in program, has never left program. So I can't imagine what it was like being with me, but you know um, that's his story to share. But um, so I said to myself, "Well, you have to go. You have to go because this isn't going to work." I go and I meet my friend, and after a few days, she kind of says to me, "What's up? What are you doing? This isn't you. You need to get help." I listened. Thank goodness. And I went and I got help. And I went and I got the help and the help said, you should go to OA. And I said, nope, not going back, not going to do it. So um, two years later, <laughs> when I start going to phone meetings, I'm getting better. I got on medication. I'm doing a little better. And I start going to phone meetings because I, I, can't, I can't face the embarrassment of showing up at a face-to-face -face meeting. I mean, I felt like I was Miss OA. And here I am not. And um, now I'm, I'm the picture of relapse. This is what relapse looks like. Um, and um, I did that for two or three months. And then I started to go to a back to a face-to-face -face meeting, which was like a 45-minute drive for me to go. Um, and, you know, that's not in the terms of things. Let me explain to you. I'm in the city of Miami. There's meetings all the time. And I'm literally driving by other meetings so that I could go to this meeting where people won't know me as much. And people know me because, you know, the world is small, but I, I did that. And after doing that for a little while, I said, um, I'm going to make a decision. 
And because I had been in program and I knew what recovery involved and I knew what abstinence involved and I knew what part of being a 12-step fellowship involved, I made an active decision. And I waited till I was ready. Uh, and by ready, I meant that I was going to fully surrender, that I was going to do whatever I was told to do. Um, sometimes that's desperation, but see, I can rationalize things and I know better. And I just said, you know, I'm going to trust. I'm going to um, surrender myself to, to my higher power and see what happens and what comes up. And um, I randomly called somebody. They were available to sponsor. They became my sponsor. And I followed directions. And I followed directions in a way I had never done before. Ten minutes, Tricia. Thank you. And um, I surrendered my humanness, I guess, um, in a way, you know, I said, you know, I'm just ripping the skin off and I'm just going to be honest and I'm going to tell people what's going on and how I'm feeling and tell you all my foibles. And I don't know if I was ever that honest in my first attempt or my first recovery. Um, not intentionally. I don't just don't think I was possible. It was possible for me at that time. Um, maybe I needed to, to go through what I needed to go through. I, I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you, the world shifted. OA had changed, but it really hadn't. I changed. Um, and I know that's all very rose-colored glasses and you know, pink cloud and all that good stuff. Um, but I came back and realized that I was going to have to transform totally. I was going to have to be different and different. I was just going to have to do things in a whole new way, in a whole new manner, um, and and listen and and be open to what people told me. Um, you know, sometimes you know you've heard that expression. You be at a meeting and somebody says something you disagree, and you say, "Okay, well, you know, just listen to the rest. Delete that and listen to the rest." Now I listen to that because why am I uncomfortable with that? Now sometimes it's a good reason why I'm uncomfortable with that. I talk about it. I think about it. Um, because I know a lot of times now um, it's a reflection of me and what's going on uh, and my character defect. Um, I'm getting the wonderful opportunity to grow again. And uh, that stuff happens. Um, I do a lot of service now, um, like I did before. I do it service in a much different way and a much more challenging way for me. Um, I'm learning things and skill sets that I really don't think I possess, um, but somehow I'm mumbling through. Um, and um, when I listen and when I'm present, I realize that my higher power takes care of me in so many ways, that things show up. Better yet, people show up. Or a meeting, somebody, I go to a meeting and I'm kind of there and out of the, the blue, some newcomer says something and I go, holy cow, that's it. Yesterday, um, I was talking, uh, I have a literature buddy, an OA literature buddy. We talk a couple of times a week and we read OA, OA literature. We read the big book, we read some AA stuff too. Um, we've been doing this um, for quite a while. Um, and we're reading the traditions out of the OA 12 and 12. And we're on tradition one. And I believe, you know, I'm struggling with some um, service stuff going on. Um, I'm involved in a big project and I have these expectations which will shoot me in the foot every single time. And, you know, it has to do with unity, traditional one. I don't know why all of a sudden that speaks to me, but it does. 
And this person says some stuff about, you know, we're doing the questions at the end of tradition, we're having a discussion. And I'm realizing there it is. I've been struggling asking for some understanding or some direction. And there it is. God has put that person in my life um, at that moment. And for some reason, I had the cotton out of my ears, you know. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, I think I'm going to stop my all over the place sharing right now. Um, but I am grateful uh, to be given this opportunity to share. Um, and I am thankful for you all being here. You know, um, OA has not only given me, uh, you know, has, has maintained me so I have life, um, kept me healthy, but it has given me life. Um, and it has given me such joy and such love and such acceptance. You know, I was here a little early and people were coming on and everybody's, hey, how are you? Hello. Um, that has always been my experience when I come back, when I come home. Um, I have all this stuff in my head about how I'll be judged and how, you know, people will be disappointed in me or, you know, think these thoughts about me. And here's the truth. Nobody cares about me. <laughs> Everybody's focused on themselves. And they're just happy I'm here for them, just as I'm happy they're here for me. Um, so today is a, a day of uh, love uh, here in the States. It's um, say Valentine's Day. Um, I'm going to ask uh, for a Valentine. Actually, I'll tell you a secret. It's my belly button birthday, too. So I'm going to ask you all that if there's somebody in the rooms you haven't seen or heard, um, you know, just haven't noticed them on the screen in a while, reach out to them. You know, not necessarily today, but sometime this week, just say hello, send them a text, let them know they're loved and that you're thinking about them. Um, you know, I was that person, uh, very much that 12 step within person where I was in the rooms and struggling with my 12 step, struggling being a part of this program. So with that, I'm going to thank you all and I will pass.